Does God speak to us prophetically today? Yeah, there are a lot of people who say he doesn't, but I'm here to tell you, yes, he does. And in just a few moments, our friend Michael Turley is going to join us and share with us how God speaks through spontaneous prayer tracks. And you might be wondering yourself, well, what is a spontaneous prayer track? To find out, you got to stick around and watch and listen. And here he is with us, our good friend, Michael Turley, the guy that looks just like the guy in the picture at the beginning. Michael, welcome to the live stream and podcast. <laughs> hey, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> it is so good to have you on. And hey, for our viewers and our listeners, if you're watching us on YouTube live tonight, go ahead and subscribe and hit that bell at the bottom because you know what? That helps all of us and it helps get the art and the message that Michael has burning in his bones get out even further, not just here in the United States, but across the world. And speaking of that, Michael, I just want to welcome all of our listeners that listen to the Raven's Heart podcast audio format that are all across the world from countries such as France, Italy, uh, Malaysia. I mean, we've got quite a list going on. So welcome to the live stream and to the podcast. Michael, before we take the deep dive into the spiritual depths of the prophetic, can you share with us and tell us how was it and when was it that Jesus saved you? Oh, man. You know, oftentimes I wonder that myself, you know, little Southern Baptist boy growing up in a town of 600. You know, I feel like I was saved 20 times a, a year. Uh, but my true encounter with the Holy Spirit was the weekend of September 11th, 2016. And I had made my commitment to my mother-in-law to go on what's called an Emmaus walk. Now, I know around the United States, they have these little 72-hour weekends for men and women to just kind of be loved on. Like agape love is one of the keys of that weekend. And I was an addict for 21 years. And I had stolen some narcotics on my way to this weekend retreat. And over the course of this weekend, I just encountered the love of Yahweh and all these moments just begin to click for the first time in my entire life I came to a place where I didn't feel ashamed and I had probably been living in shame guilt and all these things that I held against myself that I just couldn't talk about out loud you know like I was condemning myself but over the course of these seven to two hours the Lord said Michael I've always loved you and you can trust me with this and from that moment I had such an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I feel like I came out of that weekend with a mission, but I felt like I was one part the Tasmanian devil and like one part John the Baptist. Like all of a sudden it was just like, oh gosh, just let me tell you about my friend Jesus. And then whether it was the grocery store or the hardware store in a parking lot, or maybe I was just walking down the street, I was going to find a way to interject something about the love of Jesus in every conversation that I step into. I love that, a combination of the Tasmanian devil and John the Baptist. And that really does kind of describe you because I've, I've known you for a few years now. You came and you actually shared on stage at Get Revelation Rock Fest 2021, and you just got up there and started to prophesy and speak, and it was just amazing just watching God use you. And... You know, speaking of music, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit tonight. And music's been a part of your life. Can you tell us a little bit about how music has played a part in your life and how you've gotten from one place with music to the place you are at now where you're creating music for the kingdom of God? Well, for most of my life, it didn't matter what kind of music it was. I just wanted to listen to it. So whatever I could get my hands on, whether it was jazz, big band, 
doo-wop, hip-hop, R&B, whatever I could, whatever was available in the little town that I lived in, I was going to listen to it. I had a cousin that was the first guy that I knew that had compact discs, and he had everything. So, like, he was the DJ in town. So I can remember once a month, I'd take him a sleeve of 10 cassettes, and he'd fill them up. And it didn't matter what it was. Like, one side might be uh, Bon Jovi, but the other side was Belle Biv DeVoe. Like, it was just... (laughs) You know, like one side was Luther Vandross, but the other side was Led Zeppelin, you know, and I had the kind of cassette player that it didn't have rewind. So you're going to listen through the entire thing, flip the cassette over and do it again. And as a child, that was, I don't, I never considered myself a depressed person, but I was the little kid, five foot, 80 pounds as a sophomore, easily picked on, whether even by folks in my own family that late at night in a little four room house, a pair of cheap headphones was my refuge. Mm. And so like, no matter where I went, that was my refuge. Now, most of my life, I was always living in some form of secrecy because the depths of like my own trauma and addiction and probably what was just like a whole childhood of being a pyro, sexual sin, like my earliest memories are trauma and perversion. And so my whole childhood was just like always living in shame and in secrecy. Uh, Fast forward to 1997, I had came back from Bosnia to Germany and I got introduced to like the underground rave scene in Germany. So really early on in my life, I really like connected and latched on to DJ culture. Mm -hmm. And that's when my life really began to spiral out of control for years because I was so like deeply rooted in the underground rave scene, leaving Germany, coming back to the States and every weekend was back and forth between Houston, Texas or New Orleans in underground rave. And so like one of my biggest passions for years and still is today is underground electronic music, hip hop. But then that began to just transform into anything funk, soul, jazz, R&B, Cajun, Zydeco, it didn't matter. Like whatever, whatever sounded good, I collected it. And then mm-hmm. I just dove really deep into it. And once I truly encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit, I had kind of like had this aversion, like anything that was electronic, you know, kind of like I, re- I found your book in a coffee house a couple last <laughs> week, knocked it out in two days. But like when I got delivered, there was like this aversion to uh i wanted to separate myself from like the memories of rave culture because for so long everything that involved dj culture electronic music kind of culture i associated with narcotics i associated it with losing my mind which ultimately led to me like putting it into a category of something that i identified as shaming Mm -hmm. okay i tried to give away my turntables i got close to 800 records at the house now i've given away half my records but I kept trying to give them away, give them away, sell them. And then finally, one day my wife said, this is a passion of yours. This is an expression of like the creation of the kingdom. Like our God, Yahweh is such a creator. And the enemy has tried to pervert this because all of these beautiful sounds, they originated before the foundations of the world. And so my wife says, be passionate before the Lord with this. So for the first time in 21 years, I took my turntables, I purchased some high-end cables, rewired them. But I began to go through my record collection and say, I used to really like this, but some of the stuff that I'm hearing on here, it might not be demonic, but it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't do anything to build my spirit up creatively. And it kind of gives me like a yucky burn in my belly. So it was easy for me to just go through and do like cleaning a little house with my music. Well, once that started taking place, I felt like I started to have this deeper connection with the Holy Spirit. And then it began to really just for the first time in 21 years, I feel like something from my past really got healed and it brought me into a deeper intimacy with the Lord. 
What a story. You know, a lot of people say that and really your wife, we're going to talk about her in just a moment because she's been a major influence in everything that you've done. But realizing that the music itself or the sounds are inherently not evil. It's the way that they're used. It's a point of maturity that takes a lot of time for people to come to. That was something that I had to come to grips with. And it took took a good number of years for that to happen. And you know, it's interesting because you associated those sounds with narcotics and your lifestyle. And somebody else who listens to it, they're like, yeah, that's just music. You know, it doesn't affect them. It, it all goes within the context. And this is something that I've shared with people is that you know, what may trigger something for some, but one person may not trigger something for somebody else. It's all mm-hmm. based upon our life experiences. And because it's not good for us, may, now I'm not talking about just like diving into sin head on, but I'm um, talking about, you know, something that is just God created that's good um, may not be good for us, but that doesn't mean that it's evil for everybody else and they should not partake of it. And I think that's a, a mistake that a lot of Christians make when they, you know, share things about art, music. It's like, well, this is evil. Well, why is it evil? You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a sound. Um, so that's a, that's a very big point of maturity. How long was it from when you gave the music up to when you started doing the electronic and doing the doing the DJ stuff again? So the stuff that I'm creating right now has only been taking place in the past year. Oh wow! And for years, I would always DJ other people's music. And the platform that I really like to use, which is Mixcloud, is a platform for, you know, continuous mixes. And so anything that I put on there where I was using other people's music to mix, it never gained any attention. It was something that I was doing just because I was like, all right, I'm having a good day at home. Let me throw a bunch of records on the turntables. And oftentimes I was just playing music that I knew that my wife wanted to hear. We're sitting around the house. So for me to do those mixes was almost just like a a way of like romancing my wife. I was flirting with her. Oh, wow. And I come across this software. I remembered it years ago, a friend of mine used, and it was called Novation Launchpad. And I would like to say that it's some deep, complex studio, but the guys at Novation have created such a piece of software that literally I can have two to 300 sound banks ranging from 60 beats per minute all the way up to 200 beats per minute. But no matter what sound bank I'm using, if I take that sound and populate it into another sound bank, it automatically changes the key. It automatically changes the beats per minute. And once I got kind of comfortable with that, not having a lot of, knowledge in studio gear like i've seen it for years i've dreamt about it but i just didn't have the bandwidth in my life to try to learn how to use this software and i came across this and things just started to flow so quickly and it sounded good and it got me so excited that really quickly i was like oh let me try this oh this and you know, really, it's just picked up a momentum in my life that for the first time in my life, like for years of being in the rave culture and the electronic culture, I always had a desire for it, but always felt like there was like a roadblock or something that just kept me far enough away to not fulfilling that dream. Well, once I got comfortable with Novation Launchpad, it unlocked something in me that I was like, I have wanted this for 20 years and now I have the creative freedom to do something that I feel like these lifelong dreams, like these desires that the Holy Spirit had put in me, it was the right time. Like, I can't say that this would have been beneficial in my life pre-Holy Spirit, but I do know that with the climate that we live in in the world right now, that the Lord has provided me the right software at the right time with the right space to be able to just to co-labor with him, like to co-create with him. Wow. 
Wow. So you were romancing your wife with the electronic sounds. That would sound very different over here with the loud guitars and and double kick uh, drums uh, on this Mm -hmm. side over here at at our house. I'd like to go right ahead and go into a track that you released just a few weeks, uh, about a week ago, entitled Mm -hmm. Raven's Revival, because we're talking about your music. I want people to experience it. And then we'll talk a little bit more about really what's going on here. Uh, what is this track Raven's Revival about? Well, I'll tell you what, the morning that I made it, and realistically, this software works so well, my best time to create is between like five o'clock and seven o'clock in the morning, because that's where I've had the most rest. You know, it's, it's like, it's like you're getting a Sabbath rest every night. And so I woke up that morning and before I even got out of bed, I felt like the Lord said, you need to honor this man. And something that my pastor, Maddie Montgomery, says often is you lose what you fail to honor. And so the fact that you and I had been having dialogue, I felt like it was a moment that the Holy Spirit said, right now you need to honor the sacrifice of what Glenn has done throughout his life. And Glenn, I, I really didn't know what your sacrifice had been until I found your book in a coffee house a couple of days ago and was like, <laughs> man, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> that, that was my labor day. I just laid in our spare bedroom going, oh, I agree with this. I agree with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so that morning, uh, I woke up and the the instrumental track itself I finished it in about 35 minutes. Wow. And then, so I've got some digital turntables along with my techniques, analog turntables as well. But what's beautiful about my digital turntables is I can airdrop that instrumental and have it on channel one of the turntable. And all of my vocals that I do, you know, it's like my little Star Star Trek palm quarter. You know, I just, it's not, it is fancy because we got a computer in the palm of our hands, but I can just open up the word of God and just kind of be jamming out for a second. And the Lord just said, well, let's just start looking up ravens. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, it's kind of like the movie, uh, national treasure, go here, find this clue, go to this city, stick your hand underneath the bench, pull this out. You know, it's like Indiana Jones, but with the word of God. So, I'll have my headphones in and I'm listening to the track I just made. And then I just start going through the word of God. And, you know, I just get so excited that the Lord just starts unpacking things quickly. And then it just, it's like breadcrumbs, Mm -hmm. you know, the first initial like eight to nine minutes on that track, the Lord gave it to me in three or four minutes. And so I'm jamming out I'm listening to it and I get so excited that, there always comes to be this point where I can't keep my mouth shut. So then it's like, here we go, Lord. And as he's given me something through the word, you know, then it's kind of like this Morgan Freeman moment where he's just kind of like the narrator of planet earth that <laughs> I'm just listening to the Lord. And I just want to say what he's saying and the vocals, you know, they don't always come out the way I want to, but the beauty of it is if I, there's a difference between me getting it from the Lord and then when I get in my flesh and I say too much. Because there can be a moment mm. that I'm receiving something from the Lord, kind of like sharing like a word of knowledge or a prophetic word over somebody. If you speak exactly what the Lord says, the impact is going to take place and it's going to be specific for that person in that time. But then if I get all excited in my in my feelings and I try to add a little bit more to it, you quench the spirit and it's actually done more damage than good. And so I tell you what, I've never really thought about Ravens in my entire life other than what you see with like occult imagery. I've never Mm -hmm. thought anything about it. And so that morning, as I began to just look at it and look at the word of God, it just, it kind of cut me wide open. It kind of, it opened up my heart for all of these people that have come into my life because a lot of my heart is street ministry, loving on the brokenhearted, loving on the people that 
it might be the guy walking down the street that's been laying in his own feces for a couple of days. But when you walk past him, there's no way that you cannot walk past him and love on him. Yeah. And so the Lord really began to just open up my heart to say, uh, there's more to ravens than what you've ever thought of, Michael. Yeah, it's it's so, and I was so blessed when I received that this morning or that morning a couple about a week ago, and I've been listening to it and digesting it, and even preparing for today, going back and studying a bit more about the ravens because it's a very complex concept in scripture. And God shared something with me that uh, a couple things that I want to talk about with you in some detail and share with our viewers and our listeners. Now, what you're about to listen to, everybody is a prophetic prayer track that is rooted, uh, it's a spontaneous prayer track rooted in the prophetic. So this is very different than what we've featured before. We're going to feature the first nine minutes. And what I want you to do when you listen to this is just immerse yourself in it. Just soak yourself in it because you're going to be hearing the word of the Lord. There's different things that are going to be happening here. And God's going to do things in you. This is just really really different and really cool and it really gives room for the spirit to move so what you're about to listen to is raven's revival the first nine minutes of it by michael turley and now elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain except at my word. And then the word of the Lord Yahweh came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and you will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did. And what the Lord Yahweh had told him, he went to the ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. And the ravens, the ravens brought him bread, the ravens brought him meat and in the morning and he ate and he drank from the brook my brothers my sisters do not forsake the ravens now from a Jewish perspective they were scavengers. They would pick and eat from the dead. They were unclean. Holy Spirit, today I pray that the family, that the brethren, that the church would get the revelation of the raven. You see, brothers and sisters, there are prophets in hiding right now. Hungry. Hungry for the word. Hungry for the rhema word of God coming down from heaven that he has guaranteed us will not return void without serving its purpose. Brothers and sisters, how you eat, how you drink, where you dine, where you are revived today can be administered by the raven, the outcast, those that society has chosen to keep at an arm's distance because they do not fit the mold of the church. dress different, they talk different, their vernacular, it's different than what culture sounds like, but brothers and sisters, 
They are the caretakers of the storehouse. They belong to Yahweh. They might scare you. They might freak you out. But that does not make them any less holy than you by the blood of Jesus. The creatives, the musicians, the dreamers, the programmers. I'm speaking directly right now to those of you that have found yourself awake night after night after night and you cannot sleep and that your heart is burdened and you have this heavy burden for different pockets of culture than what society looks after. You have a burden for the New Age movement. You have a burden for the trans community. You have a burden for the one that never talks. And late at night, you might not be able to sleep well. But my brothers and my sisters, the Father has called you forth to be ravens, to, sus- to supply and sustain the nourishment, the revelation of the prophet.
We have a lot to unpack with that. Jermaine, thank you for joining us this evening. And I also want to give a shout out to Doug, whosoever, Naden, who has been off and on with us. He's in a place where he can't really listen right now, but he will be joining on the replay. Michael, what is a Ravens revival? Can we start there? What is it that God was stirring in your heart with this concept of a Ravens revival? Well, you know, I do believe one of the first things that really just put on my heart was that there are, there's men and women all around the world that clearly hear from the Lord. And oftentimes, hmm, oftentimes the way that maybe the world perceives them, goth, gutter punk, whatever you, you know, whatever kind of subculture, uh, you want to place into that, but the ones that through most of society standards, they look like the weirdos, you know? And so, and oftentimes I've encountered so many people that sometimes the way they dress is to keep people at an arm's distance, but really it's just the fact that they really want somebody to see them and to just to give them a chance. And there's, I believe that there's so many men and women that because they're unloved, they're misunderstood, and because your typical plain Jane society keeps them at such an arm's distance that they kind of walk wounded, and the ones that aren't walking wounded, oftentimes they walk in a bitterness because the world doesn't understand them, that they keep them at an arm's distance. And, you know, the Holy Spirit quotes himself in Hebrews 3 from Psalms 95, where he says, don't be like the rebellion, because if you have a hardened heart, you won't enter into my rest. And there is a lot about many subcultures that is blatant rebellion. We were blatantly rebellious for years until we were like submitted to the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that there's so many people. I believe that there's people that listen to your podcast, Lynn, that clearly hear from the Lord, but because they're not accepted in the grand scheme of things, they're timid, they're really apprehensive about sharing what is on their heart. So I believe there's an aspect of Raven's revival that, you know, we know the word of God says that he will use the foolish things to confound the wise. And we've got a lot of people that have the appearance of being wise but they're not, you know, it's, it's pride, it's ego. It's all these things in Galatians five that God says, I hate it. Anger, jealousy, fits of rage, malice, discord. All of those things can have the appearance of being wise, but they're not, they're just unrepentant. And so I, my prayer is that even through this, that the Lord is going to start strategically placing People that have, they look like they're, they're on the fringe. I have a dear friend, Thomas Williams. I hope you're listening. Uh, he's somebody, he's got this beautiful goth look. He always smells the best. He's always got like the best soaps and the best oils and whatnot. And uh, I was fortunate to baptize him a couple of months ago. Beautiful. And he is so sweet and he is so tender. But unless you actually took a moment to get close enough to him, like just be in such proximity of his tenderness, you would never receive the treasure of what it is that the Holy Spirit is putting on his heart. And I believe that we're going to start to to see that. Like I'm seeing Raven's revival in so many different ways. Like, yeah, the Raven was coming to, to feed the prophet. Uh but the raven was also there to to pick the meat off the bones. You know, one of one of the one of the things that's really been speaking to my heart the past couple of days is that you look at the valley of dry bones. I don't believe there was anything left on those bones, so that when the word of God went forth from the prophets and something began to grow and to take shape and to grow, it had a fresh slate to grow. There wasn't leftover muscles, which I feel like the Lord's been putting on my heart, like. Anything that's left over could be like these outdated works. 
that don't work. All these things that we do as Christians in the church, maybe it's being super busy all the time. You're going to a different study group every night of the week, but you're tired, you're bitter, you're really not invested into your children. You're not taking care of your first ministry, which is your family. And so you're tired all the time. And so I do believe that there's going to be aspects of a Raven's revival that might not have anything to do with the goth, the gutter punks, the mm-hmm. metalheads, the outcast. It might be just the simple fact that the Lord's going to put, I think there's going to be Ravens out there. Like talking about it right now, I think there's going to be Ravens in three-piece business suits that are CEOs yes. that are going to look at you and say, you know what, Glenn, you look tired. I think you need to go home. I think you need to go home and take your wife on a date. I think a Ravens revival might be somebody that's just so close enough to you and knows your family and knows you so much that when they clearly hear from the Lord, they're just going to be like, you need to go home and take care of yourself. Yeah, I I received that this evening uh, because the timing of the release of this track and when you sent it to me, there's been a lot of warfare going on, a lot of different things. And, you know, we've been chopping at this, at this project with Lithos Cry now for four years. And uh, it's kind of interesting because it's like, well, when you hit the four-year mark, it should get easier. But all of a sudden, it seems like it's getting harder. And it's got nothing to do with you know things being done right or not being done right. It's the Lord testing and proving to get it to the next level to be, to be revived. And uh, William Ferguson says, just going through the motions, checking off the list of being what society considers being a good Christian is not enough. Yes, Will, that is absolutely correct. It's, it's not what society says a Christian should be, that we should be. We should be what God tells us to be. Uh, what society tells us is every high and mighty thing above God. That's people's opinion, not what the Word of God says. And I want to go back to something that you said, because I was thinking about those two things that you said, Michael, about the ravens picking the meat off the bones. When the raven was released from the ark, it was sent out because the raven is a carnivore, all right? Mm -hmm. So it was going out and was searching for meat, and Noah was kind of getting a gauge on, you know, where the floodwaters were and what was out there, uh, because he didn't have, you know, Google Earth or, or maps or anything like that he could use to take a look or the, you know, Doppler radar. And what the raven was doing is it was eating the flesh off of dead, bloated Nephilim. Think about that for a minute, all right? Dead, bloated Nephilim. We're talking about the offspring of the Watchers, and earlier you were talking about how, you know, most people, they just associate the raven with the occult. Well, in the, you know, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, the raven is eating the flesh of the, uh, the relatives of the progenitors of your witchcraft. And probably what you're going to see happen is we're going to see the raven turn as it's reclaimed. And if you're in witchcraft, white witchcraft, black witchcraft, any type of witchcraft, the raven's going to get you. All right. He's going to clean your bones. The other thing, too, when you're talking about raven's revival, this came to me today. And I actually found another guy on YouTube who sees the same things that you and I see on this and a lot of things that I wrote about in my book. And he just published a video a couple weeks ago. When we talk about Raven's revival, the Raven represents the prophetic realm. That's why the occult latched onto the Raven so quickly. Specifically, the Raven in Genesis 8 represents John the Baptist because you have the Raven who's circling about a world of death and then the dove comes, which is representative of the Son of God. And if you read the book of Genesis and it's proper uh, doing proper exegesis, there was actually a time where the raven and dove kind of flew around together and then boop, raven disappears like John the Baptist went off the scene. With that being said, this revival and John the Baptist, and we have to go take a look in the book of Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus said this about John the Baptist. And he said, if you are willing to accept it, he, meaning John the Baptist, is Elijah to come. And we remember that as in your track, Raven's Revival, it starts with the Ravens feeding Elijah. So this revival that we're going to see, the Raven's Revival, is going to be a revival of the spirit of Elijah in these last days. And Michael, as you were just saying, what's going to happen is the word of the Lord is going to come from very strongly from not what 
society and culture expects, but from the fringe. It's going to come from the least expected places, and most likely those are the, that are the outcasts and those that are not considered worthy of the church or of even being heard of. And that's one of the things that we're doing here is we're making this a platform, all right? This, this thing that we're doing here is not about getting the big names. We've had some big names every once in a while, and God's blessed us with that, but it's giving a platform for the raven to release what God has put in them so that we can clearly demonstrate that revival of the spirit of Elijah. And that is what the raven is all about. But again, I have to say, we have to go back. The raven in Genesis 8 was eating the flesh off of dead, bloated Nephilim, the relatives of the progenitors of all of the witchcraft and all of the occult. It's going to come right back around. And that's where we're at. And that's, that's where it's going. What interesting times and days we live in where people are starting to get, you know, here's the thing that blows my mind, Michael, is I've, I've read some, I've read a lot of commentaries about ravens and a lot of them are like, well, the raven was disobedient because he left the ark and he didn't come back. Well, the raven was probably more obedient than I was this morning in casting down every vain imagination that went up in my mind. The raven did what the raven does. It went to go look for me. Okay. <laughs> Very simple, very simple obedience. And then when it was commanded to bring the meat to Elijah and the food to Elijah, it did it. There was no questioning, no, well, God, I think really the way this should work is, you know, Uber Eats down the street in Tel Aviv can bring it a whole lot, a uh, whole lot quicker and a whole lot easier um, to, uh, to Elijah. So, you know, the raven was very obedient in what it was doing, and it's a matter of rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm -hmm. And it's so awesome that you release that very timely. And that's a message for all of the ravens that are out there. And I want to ask you this. Let, let's dive into the prophetic a little bit. You know, in this, you're prophesying. And all of your, all of your tracks are rooted in the prophetic. How do you know when it's God? And how do you know when it's you going a little bit too far, like you were just explaining a few minutes ago? How do you sense that, engage that? Uh a lot of times when what I believe is clearly from the Lord is when he's done talking, I'm done talking, you know, like the word says, it is finished. And so the moment that the Lord places something on my heart, he clearly speaks it to me. And no, I don't hear the audible voice of the Lord, but it's just in my own inner man. There's something that he just puts a stirring in me. And instantly in my own spirit, if something is not right, I kind of get that feeling like, yeah, Michael, I think he's a jackass just now. I think he just went a little bit too far. And so instantly I will delete that audio. And then I will just sit and rest in it again. And then I will just kind of get this unction in my belly. Like, I want to pray this right now. Because I feel like often the Lord says, I can answer every prayer, Michael, except the ones that you don't pray. And what's been an ongoing theme for me for probably six to nine months in my track is praying against curses over people, things that fathers had spoken over their children, things that I spoke over my own children, you know, when I was smoking a grand of crack in the basement, you know, like things that I spoke out of hurt, things that I spoke out of offense. And uh, so the clear, the concise answer would be that when the Lord speaks, I don't have any option but to share it. And when he's not, then I just need to be quiet. Do you feel like after he speaks and you keep going on, you, you feel like you're kind of out there by yourself? Does, does that? I do. It's, it's the same way, like for instance, in in church Sunday, there was a young gentleman that came to Tennessee from Virginia Beach. He was super excited. He loves the heart cry of my pastor. And so my pastor introduced him to me. And he had this moment during worship where my pastor looked at me and just said, blow his mind. And I was like, wow, that's a big <laughs> task, pastor. Like, what do you even mean? But it was just like, but my spiritual authority gave me direction. And I trust the Holy Spirit. So I just went into prayer and I was like, well, Holy Spirit, what does this young man need to see right now? 
So really quick, quickly, I could see this young boy like pushing a huge stone up the hill. And then I had an unction in my spirit that, and what I shared was, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use you to roll the weight, the stones over people's premature graves. And it's going to be words that broken fathers have spoken out over their children. And I left it at that. About a month ago, uh, who has been our student pastor for a couple of years now, uh, is being sent through the apostolic ministry at our church to pastor a church in California. And this was a church, one of the first student pastors years ago that spoke to my pastor and said, I believe there's an evangelistic calling on your life. And this was a church in California that as every time for today would come through there, they would really just love on Pastor Maddie and his wife, Candace. Well, unexpectedly, the pastor of this house had a heart attack at an angels game. And so this church in California came to my pastor and said, we want to come underneath your covering. I didn't know that. But a month ago, during worship on a Wednesday night, I looked up at our student pastor and he was before the altar and really quickly I just had like a quick picture go through my head and it was a like a nautical compass just like bobbing and weaving on the ocean and I felt like I couldn't shake the Holy Spirit saying go pray for him so I just went and stood behind him during worship and I laid hands on him and when I laid hands on him it was just a simple message that popped into my heart from the Lord that said pray this. And I said, Nate, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, it's time to get out of the boat. Keep your eyes on me. And no matter where you walk, you're going to be okay. Well, I didn't know that Pastor Nate was already being called to go to California under my pastor's covering to become the senior pastor of this church. And so, yeah, I could have just like shrugged it off. But in the past couple of years, the Lord has really just put seasoned Holy Spirit veterans in my life, like men and women that have had these little safe pockets of the prophetic to get it wrong. Like they've had mm -hmm. like house churches, house gatherings to where we're going to come together and we're going to seek the Lord. And tonight's going to be a night that we're going to practice words of knowledge. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit maybe to give me something for somebody in the room and see where it goes. And it's just elders wise counsel in my life raising up the next generation and you know like i truly came under uh surrender to the holy spirit in 2016 so kind of as a christian or moving with the holy spirit i'm young but you know like the lord just keeps putting people into my life to really speak to me and so i'm starting to see fruit of that in my life so now i'm going to test it I'm mm -hmm. like, all right. And like a couple of weeks ago during worship, I totally got one completely wrong. And as I'm in worship and I'm praying, I'm praying silently over this gentleman that's sitting beside me. I just ask him, is this something special to you or is this something special to you? And neither one of those hit the mark, but I was in a place of worship and I was in a place of love. And I just, you know, it's in that place, it's real easy to just be accountable because. Yeah if the Lord's going to give you a word of knowledge for somebody, whether it be laying on of hands or I dream a lot. So oftentimes I get dreams about people that are close to me in the body of Christ. And as I pray and seek the Lord on it, then oftentimes like kind of like with the word of knowledge, I'm just going to get this unction in my gut where I'm going to be like, I'm about to reach out and share this with you. And I'll never know the complete interpretation of that dream until I share that with somebody. And then they begin to just unpack with me what's going on in their life. And then as there, there's things from a dream that's lining up with them. And that moment, the Holy Spirit is going to start to unpack something a little bit more. You know, it's like those breadcrumbs. It's like the Indiana Jones kind of it thing. It will get just a little bit more. But unless you're willing to step into that temple and stick a bag of sand on something and get what you got to get and get running out of there, you're not going to know. No. And so praise the Lord, I'm starting to. I'm starting to trust the Holy Spirit and to know when it's him or if it's a moment, like you know, three or four years ago, I might just be cocky, you know, it, it's kind of like a 
sitting in a home church with somebody and worship's taking place, you know, oftentimes when the worship pastor, who's really, as he's leading worship, he's stepping into the office of prophet. He's trying to get the whole congregation to prophesy with one sound at the same time. The moment that there's a, a moment of silence, and then for me, oftentimes I would feel kind of awkward and I would just want to spontaneously sing something to the Lord. But in that moment, I was out of line. And I would, mm -hmm. I would try to fabricate something holy or, you know, right. and then in that moment, I actually quenched, I quenched Holy Spirit. And he's like, I'm out. This don't have nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something that I want to bring up, Michael, and then we got a lot of comments coming in and they're, they're awesome comments and we'll talk about them. But a lot of times like a word of knowledge or something prophetic will come from me and I won't even realize that I'm doing it. And I want to. This happens a lot when we're doing these live streams and I'll start hitting upon things that I didn't even think about before we did the edition or that I share with the uh, the guest. A couple months ago, we had Cole from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, he's a 13-year-old uh, guitar virtuoso in Charleston. And I asked him in the interview, I started out, so why didn't you start with the flute or the clarinet? It was some like woodwind instrument. He just kind of sat there. He's like, well, it's kind of funny that you say that because that's what I was going to start with. I, I mean, I'm just pulling, I wasn't even trying to do anything. And I've learned, and I'm starting to realize even more that when I just kind of put myself to the side and just kind of empty myself of me and just go with the flow, things just start to, they just start to flow. And it's so important for people, if, for the skeptics that are listening out there. Yes, it is. It, it is important to practice this and it's important to practice it in a safe space because that's it's like anything else that you do uh it, it's like playing a musical instrument you're learning how to partner with the lord and yes you are going to get it wrong sometimes and i want to go through some of these uh comments that we have here we've got uh daniel turk uh i love that uh is that a cat Michael, do you know do you know if that's a cat that's looking at me? That's that's pretty cool. Or it is, sure is Daniel? Like it does look like a cat. Or is that Daniel mm -hmm. himself? Daniel, if you're still online, you're gonna have to let us know if that's your cat or if that's you or what that is. But that's pretty that's pretty cute. Uh, Daniel says, "Love you, Michael. You're the best." And William Ferguson, uh, going back to when we we're talking about the dead, bloated Nephilim bodies uh, that were eaten by the ravens, it was Golden Corral for ravens after the flood. Um, I don't think there was a chocolate wonderfall though. But um, he says, "Ack, lol." <laughs> and then Jermaine says um, to what we were talking about in the uh, those that are into witchcraft that the raven that they revere in the wrong way, the raven's gonna get you. Uh, he's like, that's some good stuff and the revival of the Raven. And then, you know, I, I have to bring this up. The ministry that you're plugged into, you're, you're covering your spiritual authority is actually a Raven's ministry. Mm. If you think about it with Maddie Montgomery and for those, anybody who knows anything about music, especially Christian, um, you know, metalcore, uh, Maddie Montgomery and for today, they were, they were the go-to band for quite some time and jermaine says for today is my favorite band i wish they were still a band but maddie and candace are legit and then uh will ferguson says yes more home prayer meetings are starting back that is great that is so important and um, tiffany says it is so important to have a safe place and try to learn as the holy ghost guides and Tiffany usually has a word for me. She's like, you need a jelly donut. And that's 100% correct all of the time. So she never misses with that one. And then uh, Jermaine says, I am excited for home churches. God is doing something so unique and right on time, especially because God is moving a different direction than what corporate church buildings are doing. I sense it's the only way we'll meet, uh, meet before long, just like our brothers and sisters did in the, in the East. Yeah, you know, Jermaine, you're absolutely right. Um, there's different, God's doing different things and moving in different ways and church is probably going to have to be done differently. And that whole thing with the home groups and the home church, it's so intimate and you really get that accountability that's there. You know, you can go to church and just kind of walk in and walk out and zero accountability and zero discipleship with that. But when you have that going on, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, William says, the Holy Spirit can be strong in my life and gives me lots of discernment. We have to learn to be strong and act, listen to what's being put on our heart. Yes, William. 
And you know what's exciting about that for me, Michael, is I've been watching William grow over the past couple months and he will send me texts kind of like you sent that track to me. He'll send them to me at the right time and they'll be the exact right thing. And we'll have the same thing going on and and he's right in tune with the spirit. It's really exciting to see that. And Tiffany says, yes, jelly donuts. <laughs> there we, there we have it. Um, right there. Something I also want to talk to you about and ask you about, and you touched upon it at the beginning is your wife supporting what you do. And Will says, love, I, I, I love you too. Will, thank you so much, man, for being a part of what we do here. And such a huge player in it. Your wife and your relationship with her, how has that encouraged you to go and do what you do for the Lord? Well, I mean, no matter what it is, my wife encourages me with it 100%. And my wife and I, prior to us getting married, like we were definitely living out unrighteous lifestyle. Like, you know, we were just, we were ride or die. We were kind of like shit and Nancy. And even prior to us getting married, there had came this place where we were like you know regardless of what's taking place in our life not being together is not it but the moment that i really succumbed to the power of the holy spirit and i just got set free now i'm speaking to anybody that's ever been dealing with any addictions i was a thieving addict for 21 years and the weekend of september 11 2016 i got healed in one night i never detoxed i never went through withdrawal i was going through withdrawal every single day of my life if i didn't have some dope in me and there was still another year after that before the Holy Spirit really like just shook my wife into something that was just so powerful. And the moment that she and I got married and began to just find pockets of the kingdom to be planted into, like for a long time, she and I were in this little church called Lone Oak Christian Church. And it's nothing you would consider to be prophetic, but they loved, they loved so huge. They knew me in my addictions. Uh, but they never called me out on it. They just loved me and they accepted me. And we know that that's one of the greatest commandments that Jesus gave to the kingdom was to love. And they did that well. And my wife is the only woman I've ever been with after years of debauchery that actually looked at me like she loved me, like she was attracted to me. She liked my sense of humor. She liked my style. She liked my clothes. She liked my music. And so she was the number one person. It was like, every time I tried to get rid of my turntables and get rid of all my records, she's like, are you sure you want to do this? And even in that, she was supporting me. But she wants me to be creative. My wife is a creative. She's she's a dreamer. She's a phenomenal artist. Anything that she puts her hands to, she does too with excellence. And the moment that I started to create musically, you would just see like, uh, like an enticement. Like it was just this moment of where she would look at me and just let me know that she was proud of me. And for a long time, she would just be like, hey, Mr. DJ, hey, Mr. DJ. And it's just her simple way of supporting me with anything that I do, whether it be poetry, music, sharing the gospel. I mean, for a long time after I got delivered of all these demons that were in me, I had no option but to be in the street. All I wanted to do was be Let's have worship out on the corner. Let's go to the homeless shelter, wherever we could be at, and just love on people, have a prayer walk all around our city. That's where I wanted to be at. And she encouraged me to do it. Is that Was that her pocket of culture? Nope. She'd be sitting at home doing some crafts, doing some needlework, sewing something, painting something, or just taking care of our home with honor. But she would always say, go. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I've never said that out loud until just now and it's just like you know jesus told the disciples go and so there came a point in time in my life where my wife my wife was like this isn't where i'm called but this is where you are so go that is so beautiful how that all works together and i want to bring something up as i did not know when we scheduled you to be on tonight today for those that are going to be watching this on the rewind today is september 8th 2022 we're only three days away from september 11th and we broadcast on thursday nights and i just i, was, I just was like i gotta you sent me another track i was like dude we got to get you on can you come on on september 8th would you be available there you go, just moving in that stream of you know, the timing. And we celebrate you and your anniversary 
Mm. from 2016 of how God sets you free and how the Holy Spirit has filled you. We have two more comments and we're going to have to close because we're running short on time. We could go on forever tonight. Mm -hmm. Tiffany says, yes, it's all about intimacy and waiting on the Lord. Home groups create such a family safe zone for engaging and encouragement and discipleship. Yes. Um, and thinking about waiting upon the Lord, just what it was, just imagine what it was like for Noah on the ark with his family and all those animals waiting to get off the ark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a thing. So Will Ferguson, he is, he's got a band here in Charleston called Suffering Gift. And he says some of our songs deal with the strength, struggle of addiction. We reach out to those suffering, struggling through music to give encouragement. And that is so needed today um, because the world is rough. It's getting rougher. And people to cope with it that don't know Jesus and the power of Jesus, they are turning towards addiction and they need to be set free. Michael, I know there was a lot more we wanted to talk about. We're going to have to get you back on again soon. But before we go, is there anything else that you would like to share with those that are watching or listening? I just want to encourage everybody that uh, you are not the words that anybody else has ever spoken over you. You're not. That you don't have to be in hiding. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be afraid. And if you've, if you've ever felt like the prophetic is not for me, every spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit ever designed, he gave it to you before you were ever born before you were ever thought of. And you might have days, maybe you've dreamt your whole life. I dreamt my entire life, but it was once I got delivered and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that the Lord began to place me in avenues to begin to utilize those dreams. There's days where my dreams might be stronger. There's days that maybe the word of knowledge is popping up. Maybe your spiritual gift is that you're the kind of guy that is absolutely, if somebody gives you a task, you're going to do it with excellence and you're going to see it through to completion, no matter how annoyed other people might get with you. So I just want to encourage you that if you, if you watch television, if you're on YouTube and you're watching all these things where God is doing these amazing things around the world, he wants to utilize you to do the same exact thing. And the one thing that I love to do at night when I lay down to go to sleep my conversation is specifically with the Holy Spirit. Like I thank the Lord for my day, but when I lay down and go to sleep at night, I'm like, Holy Spirit, romance me. Because we know God the Father. We know God our Master, right? But in Hosea 2, he's talking about alluring the bride out of the wilderness. So if you feel like you've been in spending years in the wilderness, awesome. Because God the bridegroom wants to romance you. And there's things that we don't romance our wives the same way every day and have the same exact outcome. So if you feel like you've had a place in your life where the Holy Spirit has really romanced you before, but maybe bitterness, hopelessness, maybe somebody gave you a word of knowledge that was not from the Lord and it never came to pass. So you're having hopelessness because somebody spoke in their flesh when they should have been quiet. And so you like kind of, you keep the prophetic at an arm's distance. Well, that was something kind of like reading in your book, Glenn, like that was a stone that somebody placed in front of you with a premature death. Like the young boy that I seen Sunday that I seen rolling those stones away. So I'm speaking to the Ravens out there that, you know, wounded people in your circles. And maybe when you're talking about what the Lord is doing in your heart, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a vision, maybe it's a word of knowledge and you begin to share it, they're just like, and then in moments like that, you kind of feel defeated because maybe you cast your pearl before swine. Like I can get really excited about a dream. And if I share it with the wrong person, or if I speak out of turn and I share that dream because I'm excited about what God's doing and God actually didn't give me permission to share that dream with somebody. And then they like kind of keep me at a distance. It opens up a door for me to actually kind of be offended that they didn't receive this awesome excitement that the Lord put in my heart. And then we actually both walk away kind of damaged. So if you know people like that in your life, be sensitive to them, but begin to just reassure them that bitterness is not their portion. Anger is not their portion. And if somebody gave a word of knowledge that didn't come to pass, 
walk them through just breaking that agreement. Be like, you know what, Lord, that word was not spoken by you. And I don't come into agreement with that any longer. And Holy Spirit, right now where that has been broken off, fill me fresh and actually don't allow me to carry bitterness towards somebody that spoke that over me out of turn. Mm-hmm. Very, very well said. That 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 was worth the weight of the entire edition right there and what you just said in the closeout. Uh, you know, with the dreams, the prophetic words and everything like that. Don't let the bad experiences turn you off and become bitter towards the prophetic. It is real. God speaks today through the prophetic. And this is something we're actually going to talk about in two weeks. Next week, I'm going to take the week off. I'm going to get a Ravens revival next week so we can come back at it again on the yes. <laughs> so we can come back at it again on September 22nd. And on September 22nd, we're going to have a friend of ours from the church that I am plugged in at and where the spiritual authority that I submit to is. And that is from North Palm Church. And that is Miss Angela Henderson. Uh, she's going to be coming on. We're going to be talking about prophetic insights. We're going to be talking about all the stuff that really kind of confuses people a little bit and how this all works for the king and where we can find in scripture that yes this is something that still does happen today it just didn't all end when the scriptures uh when the canon was closed as many people would like to say and like like to believe but it is it is the real deal and let's go back here we got another comment and uh william ferguson says amen brother to everything that you just said and to um if you could just hang on the line, Michael, I'm going to close out here with everybody and uh, we'll wrap it up. But everybody that's been watching and listening tonight, we've had Michael Turley on tonight. Been an absolute pleasure. Go back if you missed the track, Ravens Revival. It is amazing. It's a um, it is a spontaneous prayer track rooted in the prophetic and take the time to listen to it. Um, Michael, let me bring you back on real quick. I got one last question. Where can people go to listen to the entire track? Uh, Mixcloud.com. You just look up my name, Michael Turley, Mixcloud.com. I put about 60 to 80 tracks out in the past year. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, I might go two or three weeks without doing any. But then all of a sudden I wake up and I get in the word of God. I might get two scriptures in. All of a sudden I'm like, I can't sit still with this. And next thing you know, I just want to create something. And then I want to share something based off of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about the word right then and there. Mixcloud.com, Michael Turley. <laughs> all right, Michael. Thank you. We'll do. That's all. LOL. LOL from uh, William Ferguson. Yes, we're going to have to bring Michael back and we're going to dive into some of this deeper in some future editions. Michael, will be right back with you and for our viewers and our listeners until the 22nd. Be off next week, the 22nd of September. Peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.